Ready? Ready, Teddy. Teddy Riley? Teddy Rex. Ready, set, go, man, go. I got a girl that I love so, and I'm ready. I thought you was going to sing the um, Eddie Murphy version. What was that? When uh, he was on Saturday Night Live playing, uh, was it Lou Richard Simmons? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that wouldn't yeah. fly today. Yeah, oh, no. It was kind of fat shaming. Oh, but wow, yeah. He's like, sure. ready, set, go, fat, go. I know a girl who butt hang lotion flab it. Flab oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, I thought that's what you was getting ready to sing, but you singing the real song. Yeah, I was singing, no, I, I did not Yeah, do don't, that. don't. No. Yeah, don't sing no. that. Yeah. Don't fat shame it. We don't right. fat we shame. We don't fat shame here. We don't I skinny love, shame. Yeah, we don't skinny shame. We don't do no we shame. We don't shame about anybody's size. Yeah. No. Because everyone's beautiful here. Absolutely. Everyone is beautiful at Music and Me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't know, this is music and we a uh, good morning, <laughs> good day, good afternoon, good evening, good night, a good people. Yes, I am Jamila. And I'm Jesse. This is music and we where we talk about music and the sides of it, the various sides, political, social, sometimes economical, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, hold on. It's kaleidoscopic sides, multiple sides. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But there's some stuff that's been going on. This is interesting. I just really wanted to quickly mention pretty soon, I think, oh, it's the end of February. So March 2nd, they will be selling tickets to see the, I guess, cinematic version of 72 Seasons. So it's going to be all of the videos plus some behind the scenes stuff and people will, will be talking about the meaning of the songs. So I'm pretty excited about that. I, in one way, don't want to go because I just want to listen to the album. On sure. another end, I love when people do behind the scenes stuff. And Yeah, behind the scenes is what you really want to go for usually. I love behind the scenes too. Mm-hmm. Like you can really just, especially when you know a lot and you, you get something like a tad bit that is not what you were expecting. Like those are just a place plethora of surprises. Yeah. And for Metallica's Hardwired to self-destruct album, they had all the behind the scenes stuff that they had on the internet. And then they released a video with every song, which was pretty popular to do around that time. I think, I think, um, PJ Harvey did it. Beyonce famously did it. Mm-hmm. But nobody talked about PJ Harvey. I think PJ Harvey did it right before Beyonce. But okay. people don't talk about that. And then Metallica did it. Uh, uh, quite a few bands did it. And that was a huge promotional tool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The difference being Metallica has their own record label and their their own entity unto themselves. But, you know, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> they are doing... Uh, something that a lot of folks are doing to, I guess, get people in the seats in the theaters where post credits, there's interviews, there's mm-hmm. different ways of engaging and promoting 
your stuff. So the movie Terrifier 2, I don't want to give too much away if people haven't seen it, but something of that sort happened where after the credits rolled, they had a conversation with the director and maybe a producer, I can't remember. So a lot of that stuff happening just so there can be a little bit more engagement right. so people will get off of social media and more into what they're looking at. I, I don't know why. That's just my guess. It's, I always like that. Form you of stay behind and you see, you know, sometimes they offer little tokens or crumbs as to what's going to happen next. So I've always appreciated staying after the theater. Like I stay <laughs> after the credits because, you know. You stay after the credits? While the credits. You're like, wait, there's, there's nothing going there's on. Nothing there. Just like, hey, get out. <laughs> <laughs> I stay while the credits are going until the last line. I like that. Because mm-hmm. um, you never know what you're going to miss if you just leave in between or as soon as it rolls. Well, not only that, but there's a whole bunch of people that worked on yeah, the film. Yeah, you got to acknowledge everybody who's so been acknowledge present. Them. Exactly. There. That's why I like to do it. And, and I don't like the Netflix thing. I don't have Netflix, but obviously I know people who right. do, so I'll as soon as it's sit over, and watch stuff with them. Yeah. yeah the it's like thing. five seconds after the show or the movie's over. It's like, okay, go to the next thing. It's like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. And they I even stop it to make sure you're still watching it. Yeah, so I think there was actually a petition to stop that. Yeah, they should. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was. And now I think they give you more of an opportunity. Okay, do you want to keep watching the credits? Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, wow, how did we get into this? So, I am a person who does not have social media. But, of course, people I know post links and things like that. So, one of the things Metallica is doing to engage, I think they're doing it in a way that's very smart. So they have a couple of clips where someone's talking about a song and the latest one, Lars, the drummer, <laughs> he plays a drum beat and it says, okay, duet, duet with this drum beat. It's like, okay, it's just a drum beat. So people are like, what, are you, what is, what's going on? Right. <laughs> and then you have the next day, then Rob, the bass player. So he's playing and then uh, my guess is that it's, Ty, his son, or so somebody, mm-hmm. maybe it's his wife, somebody who is filming him as he's going. So they're just panning the camera and he's going, there's a dog and he's just playing. And then there's a microphone there. And just as he steps to the mic, the camera cuts off and I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> so now it's Lars and Rob. And then the next day you have James, the rhythm guitarist slash vocalist, but you know, he had a mic there too. But he wasn't close to the mic. And so he's playing a riff. And like, okay, it's building, it's building. So it's Lars, it's Robin, it's James. Mm-hmm. And my guess is the next one, who knows, <laughs> will be Kirk. I don't know. Kirk lead guitarist. I don't know. So it's building. And so one of the things is that it's possible that is the next single that will be released. Yes. That's possible that's the case. It's possible that they're just jamming and just engaging on social media. Right. I don't know. But how they've been rolling out these songs from 72 seasons have been really interesting. Yeah. So Lexa Turner, the first single, nobody knew anything. It just came like the speed It just light. came. It's like, what? Everybody got an email or looked on some social media. It just came out. <laughs> then the second single, Screaming Suicide, so... They had something up, then they pulled it, then they had it up, then they pulled it, then it came out. 
Yeah. <laughs> so maybe this is the another way of them rolling out the song. I have no idea. But it is very interesting to see how they're rolling everything out. <laughs> I just it's exciting. wanted to say that. <laughs> so April 14th is the album's release. So uh, it's a little over a month away. And then there's the film. The day before, they're showing it worldwide the day before. So, yeah, this this is just people generally, I guess, do not buy albums anymore. So you have to do whatever you can to get people engaged with your music. And right. it's uh, people are doing it in very interesting ways, I tell you that. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. I like the way they're doing it because, again, this is my first time watching a band that I've just recently followed reveal a new album. And so... I see the engagement is really thick in the Metallica community. It's really thick. It's yeah. thick. Yeah, it's like a lot of <laughs> a lot of engagement, and there's just so many people analyzing, like, "Oh, this could mean that," and so it, it builds the suspense. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, this is this is fascinating. Another thing which I just found out, I had no idea because I don't watch TV. Right. So uh, there was recently a NAACP awards. I know they have them every year. I, I don't just know saw where that. They are. Yeah. Was, yeah. Did you see the Queen Latifah clip? Because that's no. what I'm gonna talk about. Yeah, okay, I didn't see the Queen. So Latifah. she did the song. It was real quick. Is it? Um, I'm gonna live until I die. And she had this is a you know sleeveless, uh, dress. It was like a white train or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And she came out and did the thing. It was literally like 50 seconds. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't, the reason I'm bringing this up is I don't know if you've heard the Dana Owens album. It's, it's an excellent album. So she just does jazz standards and pop standards. What's her name? Is it? The Dana Owens album, because that's... Oh, when Queen Latifah is doing that? Oh yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, you heard 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 the album? I've heard it. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. But I did hear it. I remember listening to it. So she's getting back into that. And I'm not sure if that's because of Samara Joy, who I appear, I, again, I don't watch TV. Mm. So I heard that she sang on the Grammys or something. Yes. So I didn't know that. Because I had been listening to Samara Joy. And I didn't know who she was until I watched, or I didn't watch the Grammys, but until I saw that performance of her at at the Grammys. Wow. See, I didn't know. Yeah. And I heard somebody mention, it's like Samara Joy's on the Grammys? Yeah, she won a Grammy. My goodness. She did? Yeah, she won a Grammy. I actually am going to listen to her album because I've heard, like, anytime I've seen her show up on my feet, I've watched it. Oh, she's she's amazing. amazing. She is in the vein of Sarah Vaughn, who is... I'm going to say first and a half favorite vocalist of all time. Yes, Ella Fitzgerald is the greatest vocalist alive or not to (laughs) ever exist on the face of the earth. I don't care what anybody says. (laughs) You're not going to get an argument from me. I'm sorry, Ella Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald Sarah Vaughn is real close to me. So I'm going to say one and a half. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she has a beautiful voice. Um, Samara Joy. Yeah, she's in the vein of Sarah Vaughn. And... I think that just I don't even know. It's just yeah. absolutely fascinating to see the cultural shift in music. There's the conversation about rock being dead. Mm-hmm. So I want to get into that. You just getting into Metallica and being introduced to other rock bands at a time where 
people are saying rock is dead so what's your perspective about that bullshit really <laughs> i mean yeah clearly rock is not dead i think that phrase didn't it come from lenny kravitz or something i mean it's older than that but it, most recently the conversations has come up from people like gene simmons mm. and i think he's talking about more from a marketing perspective okay rock will never die because there's going to be iterations of it i think now you see the addition of hip-hop elements into rock jazz elements into rock so the bands like polyphia happening right now tim henson is considered one of the greatest guitarists of I've all been time listening to so polyphia and, yeah, they wow. utilize you know all of those elements a lot of hip-hop elements they just had a song recently come out with Steve Vai, who is, again, Steve Vai. If you don't know Steve Vai, go look him up. <laughs> but rock is, I don't think rock in and of itself is something that's going to die. But how people have come to know rock, that's not a thing anymore. That mm -hmm. is not a thing anymore. So there are bands that people will continue to love, like Kiss, like ACDC, like right. Metallica. So you're going to have that. But in terms of it happening now, it's no. I don't see it really being a thing that's going to return to what it was. And I think people are really sad about that. The thing about music is that it evolves. If you look at the foundation of rock and roll, Sister Rosetta Tharp, mm -hmm. she may not have done rock and roll, but she created the sound that birthed rock and roll. Absolutely. And then you had people like Little Richard. You had people like Chuck Berry. Oh, that guy. Oh, no, yeah. I'm getting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you had people like Bo Diddley. Mm -hmm. You had people like Ike Turner. Arguably, the first rock and roll song is Rocket 88, Jackie Brenton and the Delta Cats. But that was really Ike Turner. Mm -hmm. So you had that. And, and the early rock and roll, the OG rock and roll, had rolling piano, like boogie woogie piano boogie, boogie, it had yeah. saxophone it had all of these elements so it was largely in line with r&b even though they called it rock and roll it was in line right. with r&b right. so obviously it shifted once you had the beatles mm -hmm. once you had the rolling stones then it shifted into something else but people started calling that rock and forgetting about the ogs right and then they started calling elvis presley the king or whatever in the og i'm like no. elvis presley himself wouldn't tell you he's yeah. the originator of rock like what are y'all talking about right. so yeah they made more money but there are definitely racial dynamics to that and Not class totally. dynamics yeah <laughs> but you can't forget the ogs i saw a comment just the other day where it's like we're just talking about black people and they know rock and roll. Like, I'm like, ooh. Oh. So, oh, right. <laughs> so this is where you get Gene Simmons be like, oh, rock and roll is dead. But okay. it's kind of coming back, not exactly where it originally was, but it's bringing those cultural elements into it once again, I think. Mm -hmm. it, it, so it's always going to continue to be interesting. Yeah, it's not going to be a classic. You're only going to have one ACDC. You're only right. going to have one yeah. Beatles. You're gonna, mm -hmm. And that's fine because music should be expanding. They should. Music should never be circular. Right. Yeah, and, down, down <laughs> with that. I don't see why folks are afraid of the changes that naturally occur in music. I mean, mm -hmm. as society changes, as we have these conversations around uh, what we perceive as love and what is just, you know, patriarchy and all these other things, it's like, 
you're going to find those changes natural to music. So I think people should embrace it and interrogate why they're uncomfortable. If they are uncomfortable, maybe ask yourself like what's going on that makes this a problem for me to listen to, or even maybe I don't listen to it, but I get why others are, you know, digging it. And I'm a punk hardcore kid. So I always seek out those elements, (laughs) but my favorite music is jazz. So I seek out those elements as well, which is why I really am enjoying Polyphia because to me, they just sound like jazz fusion. Mm -hmm. They do add elements of hip hop and all these other things, but they sound a lot like jazz fusion to me. You put one of their records, you put a weather report record. I'm like, okay, it's cool. (laughs) (laughs) But I was looking at this documentary on emo and they were talking about the foundations of emo. And have you ever heard of oh, emo? Oh, yeah. Of, are, uh, wait, you talking about like the genre emo? of Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm familiar. With all black, like long perm. Okay, <laughs> right. So yeah. I was not aware of a lot of that stuff until okay. maybe within the past year or two. Okay. So my association with emo is a lot of the DC hardcore bands in like 1985. Mm. You know, bands like Embrace like Rites of Spring, those kind of bands that, you know, merge into what ended up being Fugazi. And, you know, that that's what I always looked at as emo. Okay. Or then you had all these other bands later on, like Midwest. And then what I knew of as emo, They some people also called it screamo. Yeah, right. But <laughs> I, I wasn't aware of, the pop punk elements into the emo because some of the stuff that gets tied with emo i would call indie rock Mm. but it gets called emo and then you have bands like one of the the bands they had in the documentary is at the drive-in so i knew them but then they a couple of the dudes from that band ended up being mars volta i didn't know that mind blown so Marge Volta was another cool band like they have elements of African rhythms in their band mm-hmm. and okay. so they're just looking at the, the elements of African spirituality and I'm like this is what rock music is merging into and I love it yeah that's dope and I think the whole it's like the whole disco sucks sucks movement Mm -hmm. where people were burning records in the stadium and and again a lot of that's fused with anti-queer sentiments or queer antagonism with racism and i think the whole thing about people being upset about where rock has gone i think is also in a lot of ways tied to racism because the new metal thing, which I didn't really get into at the time. I was, me being a punk kid, I didn't <laughs> listen to the radio that much or whatever. Right. So there's all these new metal bands. And really looking back on that, people complaining about it is, is fascinating because it is tied to racism and sexism mm-hmm. in so many ways. And to see where music is going, I love it it so much so yes there definitely needs to be a space for quote-unquote classic metal punk hardcore bands like metallica metallica is my favorite metal band of all time (laughs) so obviously i do think there needs to be space for that but there also needs to be an even uh, more increasing space 
for rock music that expands beyond the bounds of what people haven't known up to this point to be rock music. So bands like Polyphia, I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I embrace it. I don't think it needs to be pigeonholed or seen as one thing. It's clearly where it's going. Is, it's getting a lot of people to listen to mm -hmm. it that they uh, previously probably would have never engaged. So, Right. And I think the other funny thing is you see a lot of African kids love new metal. Oh, yeah. People make fun of me. As a punk kid in the night, people make fun of me all the time. Right. But there were some bands people rocked it. Like, everybody in the hood rocked with Nirvana. Yeah, exactly. Because I think <laughs> Kurt Cobain was straight hood. <laughs> he, was, he was not playing. I think he was straight hood. I, look, you could fight me on that one. <laughs> but then, again, there's the new metal. There's the elements of rap. There was all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And even Kid Rock, you know, he had the elements of hip hop there as well. And the country and... Um, oh, my goodness. <laughs> but a lot of yeah. people, they gravitated towards that. Even though you had a band like Anthrax, work with Public Enemy, Slayer was on Def Jam. <laughs> you, you had Public Enemy... You had a Boogie Down Productions. You, ha you had rock elements in mm -hmm. hip hop where people were using samples and stuff. So there was some kind of merging at some point. And then in the 90s, there was a Judgment Night soundtrack. There were, there were always some kind of merging. But the one thing people don't remember is 1991. There was a very short-lived tour between the Sisters of Mercy and Public Enemy. I remember this very well when it went down because I wanted to go and never got to because the tour ended prematurely because <laughs> you, <said in laughs> you already know. huh? 91? Yeah, 1991. Okay. So I think the tour happened right before Lollapalooza, which, of course, had all types of bands called Lollapalooza. Mm -hmm. So you had rock. You had hip hop. You had circus clowns. I don't know. It was all kind of kind of oh. things going on. But Sisters of Mercy was very well loved by the quote goth community or alternative community and then there's public enemy these two bands toured together wow yeah that's now that i'm getting it so is it sick a goth band and a rap i, I mean sisters of mercy like, i would not call goth but they were beloved they by those, the goth community okay. and they were beloved by the alternative community right. so the people that you see are called emo right now that you know wearing the all black mm -hmm. they were goths they were right. called goths so people that look like that that's how goths dressed and <laughs> so you had sisters of mercy and then you had public enemy on this tour joining together of course there was the whole fear like there was going to be race riots Right. And, oh, man, you have this rap band and this rap band. And, and, and. Yeah, so, yeah, promoters got very scared. Bad and the tour it. got prematurely canceled. Wow. I was sad because I really wanted to see this tour. <laughs> and now something like that is even yeah, more it's, likely. Uh, it's uh, just, yeah, absolutely. So Absolutely. Yeah. You got to give it up. For Sisters of Mercy of Public Enemy. And so, of course, they did interviews. And Andrew Eldridge, who's the singer 
of Sisters of Mercy, he's just like, yeah, you know, they're, they're scared. And he was kind of like, it was funny to see all those interviews go down. And then it reminds me even going back, 1983 it was, where David Bowie was talking, who was it, Mark Goodman? I can't remember. I think it was Mark Goodman. So David Bowie essentially reels in the interview and starts asking the interviewer. Oh, the MTV. Yeah, so he's like, so, you know, I watch MTV. It's pretty cool. But can you tell me why there are essentially no black artists on MTV? Just to see the response. (laughs) I think it was Mark Goodman. Yeah. He's like, well, uh, you know, we play rock music and we want to appeal to America. And, you know, people in the suburbs are scared of Prince. and, (laughs) And... and you know, like I know you and I like Earth, Wind, and Fire or the Spinners, but you know, like the kids in America. And David Bowie says, "Well, I'm sure there are black kids who like Earth, Wind, and Fire <laughs> yeah. and and the Spinners, and aren't they in America?" And Mark is like, "Yeah, you're right." <laughs> Something like that. I'm totally yeah, yeah. You know, I, remember messing up. I remember it. But it's hilarious. Not too many people know right. how to rein in an interview like that. Sure, right. And <laughs> this whole idea of America, I love that because this literally is telling you that America is synonymous with whiteness. When mm-hmm. these politicians say the average American, <laughs> when these executives from the media say American, average American, we want to give you what Americans want. David Bowie exposed that and said, well, but there's kids you're totally ignoring that live in this country (laughs) that like the spitters. (laughs) (laughs) So I love that so much. And that was the thing. Again, going back to the point about rock and roll, where rock and roll eventually became synonymous with white. Mm-hmm. Even though Sister Rosetta Tharp exactly. birthed the sound of rock and roll, Little Richard's the king and the queen of rock right. and roll. <laughs> Prince played rock and roll on his first album, but yet the kids in the suburbs are right. scared of Prince. Yeah, so it's just it's hilarious. Even the Jackson Five they did rock and roll. I am love is a rock song, mm-hmm. but you know the kids in the suburbs. I don't know they. The kids in the suburbs. Are, da, 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 Rick James did funk punk. Funkadelic was rock music. Come on. Yeah. What are y'all talking about? <laughs> so, that just just say we play white people music. Right. Just, just say it. Because that's essentially <laughs> what you're saying and talking right. around it. But David Bowie is like, no, 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 no. no, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember just like, okay, okay. Right. Like. <laughs> and then he said, so I'm making a good point, right? David was like, I mean, I see what you mean. Yeah, you got to see what you mean. You know? <laughs> So I really think when people have media literacy or when they do these things in universities about how to do an interview, that's the interview they need to show these students because that was perfect. That is how you get a perfect response because how people do it now, everyone's just reactionary. Yeah. (laughs) Because I always think about in my head somebody who's just so scrutinized and looked at as a product. Say a Michael Jackson or somebody like that. Or when 
he was interviewed by Diane Sawyer with uh, Lisa mm-hmm. Marie Presley. Or even Whitney Houston, when she was interviewed by Diane Sawyer. Right. Diane Sawyer's terrible She's interview. Horrible. Isn't she? Horrible. <laughs> so, or even when he was interviewed by, by Okra. Okra Winfrey. Okra Winfrey. Yes. So the question about having sex, because I was, oh, do you oh, have yeah. sex? So in my mind, I'm like, so Diane Sawyer, are you married? So let, let, let's role right. play. So you're Diane Sawyer, right? <laughs> you, yes. you be Diane Sawyer. Okay, I'm Diane Sawyer. Yeah. So do you have sex? Diane, can I ask you a question? Are you married? I don't know if she is married or not. I'm going to just say, uh, yes. You're married? Who's on top usually? Well... <laughs> what who plays what position well that's personal and my life is not see that's just yeah, how you exactly. do it right? that's how you do it yeah that's exactly switches. how you do it right <laughs> that's, that's all you have to do what's this oh that's personal just be like right. hey diane are you married right be like if, if diane Sawyer says no it'd be like have you been married well no well have you ever had a partner well, yes, of course. So, what position did you play in the bedroom? Right. Well, that's personal. Oh, and oh, my life, life isn't. isn't. That's yeah. all you need to do. Next yeah. question. Next question. At that point, she would have exactly. wormed her way through. Or they'll do else. commercial break or whatever. Yeah, commercial break. But this whole hee hee. I'm like, there's, there's, that's not even necessary. I know. None of that's necessary. So, and then you could follow up with, hmm. So your your privacy means you're a human, right? Mm. So are you doing this interview because I'm a product, or is it because I'm a human? All right. That's, I mean, there's many ways you could approach that, and I think David Bowie that was a masterclass in how to flip an interview around. Yeah, that was a masterclass <laughs> because dude, you just leave the interviewer speechless. Yeah, and they don't even know how to finish it. <laughs> and you just look them in the eye. You just stay looking them in the eye. Like, oh. People don't know how to do this anymore. Yeah. It's like the worst interview is the R. Kelly one. Oh, my goodness. That's a masterclass on how the... not to do an interview. With Gail King? That's a masterclass on how not to do it. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. don't even like R. Kelly. But I think that's a perfect example. That's kind of where people lean into yeah. when they do interviews these days. Yeah. Knowing... How you are perceived in public, you need to have a set right. of responses. For sure. Because people see you as a product, just throw it back at them. Because they don't expect that. They expect people to be reactionary. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Michael Jackson, who had an education from Motown, knows better. Yeah. Knew better, I guess. But I think he was also a person who enjoyed that kind of thing yeah which that that doesn't make any sense to me it didn't help him it didn't help him at all i think it hurt him yeah it wasn't a good it hurt him tremendously to get around it he didn't get around it and he was always made to talk about something else that mm-hmm. kind of put him in further grounds of suspicion because it's like exactly. you're not answering it you're just kind of like right oh. yeah you're walking right into it. you walk in <laughs> into somebody's telegraph punch that's yeah. all they are telegraphing to you and you're just walking into it <laughs> that is all you're doing Speaking of interviews, I don't know if you saw this, but Steve O, this is the first time I've ever seen an interview with this guy. I don't know anything about Steve O. I've never seen the show Jackass. Oh, that's what you're talking about, Steve O, yeah. I haven't seen it. Never. I know know nothing about this guy. 
so I heard his voice for the first time. Like, yeah, he's very. Well, yeah. it's like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I guess I, I, I found out through this interview that he's doing 12 step program, which means he was struggling with addiction, which may be the source of his voice. But he did an interview with Paris Jackson. And oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have not seen this. So that was fascinating to me because, you know, I don't follow any of these people. I was like, oh, and let, let me see what this is about. The one thing that I, I don't like the sound of my own, but I know I talk a lot, but I don't particularly like the sound of my own voice. But one thing I don't, I, I struggle with listening to is vocal fry. And she has <laughs> so much of it. Vocal fry? Yeah. So vocal fry is, and then when I, uh, oh. when, you know, I <laughs> went to the store and then I brought some soy milk and then. Oh, I, yeah. Okay, oh, right. Ooh, I struggle yeah. with hearing vocal fry. A, a, a lot of people, when they do it, it's usually at the end of a sentence. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I went to the store and I got some milk. You know, people <laughs> do that a lot. But she, 90% of the time, had vocal fry. So and every I time she was struggled. speaking, she was talking like that. Hmm? So every time she was talking, it was with that vocal fry. Yeah, yeah. I struggled so hard to I'm continue listening to, listening to the interview because <laughs> it it's like nails on chalkboard to me. And I know some people can't help it. Yeah. I know it's not their fault or anything, but I think that it's developed. A lot of that stuff's developed based on environment, how accents develop. Is based on your environment. Yeah. So if you, I remember I lived in the Northwest for 17 years, but I lived in Washington State for four of those. I somewhat developed a Canadian accent, which I don't have anymore. <laughs> right. But I kind of developed a Canadian because like 35 minutes away from Canada. And of course, people travel and everything. I'm from New York, born and raised, but I do not have what people think of as a New York accent. No. When no. I get upset, which is not a lot, it comes out. Yeah. But I don't know what kind of accent I have now. <laughs> it's all over the place, I guess. There's some words that I have that yeah. have the quote East Coast, but I'm glad I don't have the vocal fry. I would work so hard to get rid of that <laughs> if I had that because I, uh, the, the problem, I wish my voice was deeper. Oh wow! I I wanna I wanna I'm trying to think of, not a Lauren Bacall like, I push, you know not but, <laughs> yeah I, I wish my voice was deeper. I think my voice is too like, you know I don't know. No, you have a classic voice. I say no, classic. I don't. I absolutely yeah, don't. a radio voice. No, I don't. I think you do. Okay, well thanks because I don't I don't think so. But you clear. <laughs> you interject. <laughs> I interject a lot. That's true. Yeah. But it's not like it's clearly you. You've been doing this for. I mean, you worked for radio. Yes, I did radio so. for eleven years. So, that's yes, why I, I so yes. come on, like. <laughs> but I don't have a radio voice. Though. Yeah. Anyways, I've been anyway. listening to you for a long time, and you sound just as clear as I remember you when I first listened to you. Like, why? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. I hear a New Orleans voice from you sometimes. Like you, it comes out when I'm emotional. If I'm angry, that's yeah. when it's out. But or if I feel like I'm being cornered, like mm. I can tell someone's trying to play me, and it's like my voice gets higher unintentionally. Yeah, 
Yeah, that that makes sense because you're heightened. Your emotions are heightened. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense that your voice would be raised. I think looking at my voice over the years, because you know, I used to do interviews. I did a fanzine and then mm-hmm. I did radio. The one thing that shifted for me, when I did radio, we had to get this particular type of training. And one of the things the trainer said was listen back to your audio. Right. I know a lot of people when they do podcasts do not listen back to their audio. I I don't. <laughs> After one time. I do not right. listen to old episodes too much. Occasionally I will, but I generally don't. But the one thing that this trainer said, and I didn't realize I was doing until she said, go back and listen to your audio, like every two seconds. I did not know I was doing that <sighs> until I listened back to the audio. And for some reason, immediately I stopped doing it. I will do it occasionally, but for the most part, I try to check myself. Yeah. And I don't do it as much as I used to. I used to do it so often. <laughs> a lot of people do. Uh-huh. Yes. Because it's a, it's a filler word. Yeah. So there are filler words I do have. If I, instead of like, I will just do long pauses. Yeah, that's kind of where I go. Yeah. A long pause. <laughs> because like will come it's, it's like enough space you know enough silence then like just shows right you're, 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 the wheels yeah. are turning in your brain <laughs> or I will repeat words yeah the other thing because the way my brain works my brain is working overtime so I'll start a sentence and go somewhere else and don't even remember what I was saying before yeah. Yeah. so I do have those kind of habits that I would really like to break mm-hmm. but the like thing I'm glad that I don't do that as often as I used to. It was really bad. It was really, really bad. But the vocal fry thing, yeah, I I struggle with a lot. And I do think that is environmental, just like a lot of the ways we talk. But the interview, (laughs) so she talked about being in the fashion world. She talked about her music. And she talked about, uh, I think her favorite book was Ishmael, a book I have heard of, I know nothing about. Mm. And she talked about she has a tattoo or something. And then she didn't mention him by name, but she did address her father. Right. This actually confirmed it for me. I think he did, he was a good father. That really confirmed it for me. She was talking about she purposely was a brat growing up. Mm-hmm. And that oh, makes it how uh, the context she put it in that made a lot of sense to me. I know there was the video many many years ago when she was much younger, and Janet was like, "Get your ass right, right exactly, yeah, 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 yeah." <laughs> that makes sense. It falls in line. Yeah, so she talked about how she purposely wanted to get in trouble, mm. and she get, purposely got bad grades at school or whatever. She like a lot of people gravitated towards the things they like to do mm-hmm. but yeah the, everything she was talking about made so much sense and then she talked about how the way he raised them was it, she said yeah i definitely had a lot of privilege but didn't get a lot of leeway so if we wanted something we had to work for it so yeah we didn't necessarily get paid but the currency was books so that's mm-hmm. when they were talking about books and she spoke about how if she wanted a toy, 
he would have them read a bunch of books. He said, I'm going to quiz you on it. Nice. So uh, she read, she said, I read all of the Chronicles of Narnia in a week. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and he quizzed me on it and I got the toy. So nice. One of the things that I don't remember reading, maybe I read about it when he was still alive, but talked about, yeah, I think this was an interview he did in Ebony, actually. He talked about how when the kids got the toys or whatever, once they were done with the toys, they had to share it with other people. Yeah, I remember So that. I think he instilled particular values in his kids that, yeah, he may have spoiled them in a way or whatever, but it's like, you know, when you come into this world, these are the values you have to have. You have to have humility. You have to be able to understand that people are not in as good a position as you are. <laughs> so I think he did really instill in them some values. And so while on one end, there were a lot of problematic things he did, I think that he was a very loving father. And I maintained that for years and that just sealed the deal for me right. looking at the Paris Jackson interview because she has forged her own way. I don't know enough about any of the kids, but it seems like she drove her path to not be associated with that name. She mm -hmm. understood that, yes, I have that name and I have the association, but I'm also my own person. Oh, yeah, for sure. So it's very similar to Nicolas Cage, I guess, because he's a Coppola. He's in the Coppola family. See, you didn't even know that. Oh, wow. Exactly. So, yeah, he was just like, Oh, nope. it makes yeah. so much yeah. sense. Wow. So obviously she didn't change her name or anything, yeah. but she's very different. Like you would not know mm -mm. at all that she's Michael Jackson's kid. If, Is she you like Jermaine know. Jack's son, like the son? <laughs> See, Jafar, Jafar, Your Majesty or Your whatever. Majesty, I don't know. You know yeah. See, those kids are always going to be tied to Michael. <laughs> yeah. And even the, what's his, Jafar, he's going to play Michael Jackson. He's going to play Michael Jackson, yeah. Exactly. So it's kind of like. Par Paris is like, I want nothing to do nothing with it. Nothing to do with it, right. I am forging my own path. And I absolutely respect that. And I love that Steve-O did not ask any questions about that dude. I love that. And maybe that was a precursor. Mm -hmm. It's like, no questions about my father. Yeah. So I don't know. And maybe if she didn't do that, maybe it just wasn't interesting enough to ask because she does all this other stuff that's interesting. Yeah, sure. So, right. so yeah, I, again, I don't know that much about Paris Jackson. I don't know about any of the kids. I know that Prince was studying jujitsu. That's all I know. <laughs> and then uh, the youngest son, he had a YouTube channel about movies or something. That's all I know. Yeah. So I think they are forging their own path. And I think that is because their father raised them to do that. Mm -hmm. Raised them to not be tied to me. Yeah. To be your sure. own person. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not going to have you out. Uh, no. And Diana Ross did the same thing. She's just yeah. like, y'all not going to be attached to right. me. I'm not giving y'all none, none of y'all my money. So, <laughs> do your own thing. Do your own thing. Be blessed. <laughs> and so I know there's thing, Nepo babies or something, which I just, mm -hmm. I, I don't know that much. But I guess the Nepo babies is just the children of famous people. Oh, that's or what they call them, Nepo babies. I think that's what they call it. So it's tricky because she is the kid of one of the most famous people, if not the most famous person of all time. Mm -hmm. But she has four short paths. So is she a Nepo kid? Because 
how she got in the industry. She was just playing music and then they found her. It wasn't like, she's like, hey, I'm Michael Jackson's kid mm -hmm. and I'm trying to make my, like she didn't do it like that. Yeah. And she talked about when she auditioned for some fashion shows and like, yeah, I understand my position, but she talked about being rejected. So people didn't see her as like, well, you're MJ's kid. Oh, right. So I just find that fascinating. And I think we talked on the other side. I don't think that she's the biological kid, but she is the kid. <laughs> right. So we have to That's respect that. We have to respect that. Yeah, respect it. He didn't raise all of those kids, so. Even yeah, he's the father. Yeah, he's, he's the father. father. Whether or not he's biological, was it Phil is my father? My biological <laughs> didn't bother. It's like that's Michael Jackson. <laughs> Come on, man, respect, right. respect, respect. The fact that he raised those kids to be yeah. their own people, and hopefully they're doing some good in the world. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Spe speaking of Michael Jackson, we're getting to the main subject of the show because <clears throat> there's some folks who, what what would you call them? Uh, 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 obsessed. Obsessed. Yes. <laughs> Why are you so obsessed with me? <laughs> mm. That's the song that always comes to mind. Ooh. So yeah, stands. There's a tear, I guess. There's appreciators. I would call myself an appreciator of most musicians, most bands, etc. Mm -hmm. So you have appreciators, then you have fans, which there's varying degrees of that i guess yes and then you have stands is there anything beyond stand you think no i don't think so i think stand reaches a whole new level and it's always been a part of the conversation that's grown from when i remember hearing about it back in 2009 when mm -hmm. i first started listening to like quote unquote secular music and notice just the fields of conversation around one particular artist the justification, what you allow, what you allow yourself to criticize, if you should even criticize them. Like, it's crazy because yeah, I had this conversation with somebody recently and I'm like, everybody could get the smoke. Everybody could get the smoke. Every, I am not sparing no artist because you particularly like some one thing they did or some representation. And I, I want to talk to you about this because it reminded me when people, and we talked about this before, but like, when Michael Jackson is mentioned, folks go to the fact that, oh, but he gave the most a charity. And by <laughs> that annoys me so much. And that's just one level of it. But I think a lot of folks, when they say that, it's almost like, because, yeah, please. Interject. My response to that would be Jimmy Savile. That's exactly. Jimmy Savile. Gave right. a ton to charity. He was yeah. also knighted. Uh huh. Does that mean anything? That would be my response That's to that. That's exactly what my response is. I use uh, Billy Graham particularly. And again, I'm not insinuating at all. We do this almost every episode. Right. Not insinuating that Michael Jackson is a sex predator. However, giving a whole bunch of money to charity has nothing to do with anything. Exactly. It doesn't make him, a, it doesn't put a cape on him or make him, but that, those are one of the things that comes up. But it's also just, any public scandal or any, even like like when we talk about Prince, right? Like this dude, <laughs> come on. He had an album called Controversy. But even if he wasn't intentionally trying to be controversial, he had thoughts that were not okay. Okay, wait, before we even get into that, because I don't honestly don't know that much about a lot of that stuff, but I, I 
But let's go into your journey about moving into secular music. In, in oh, case yeah. people haven't heard that, what, what's oh, the story? Sure. So the story is Kojic, Church of God in Christ. You know, you ain't listening to no rarely music or secular music. So I just remember listening to gospel all the time, like mainly the Clock Sisters, Fred Hampton, Donald Lawrence. Uh, okay. Uh, see, I told you I interject, right? right? So <laughs> the Clark Sisters in 1982. You bought the had, Exactly. Exactly. Which was inspired by that. Stevie Wonder yeah, jamming. Exactly. What did the Kojic Church think about that? Well, I remember I guess at the it's, time. I guess Kojic Church would be like repetition, like saying ATM yeah. machine, right? So Kojic. What did what would you call it? Because it can't be Kojic Church. Kojic, because it's Church of God and Right. Christ. So it would it would be so what would Kojic think of that? Yeah, what would Kojic? That, that's what okay. I would say, yeah. So what would what did Kojic, as far as you know, think of that? See, I watched either documentary. No, it wasn't that. It was a movie, actually, the Clark Sisters did just a year ago, I believe, mm -hmm. that went into this because I didn't know until after I listened to Stevie Wonder that, oh, this sounds like I was I was pulling the pieces together. But at the time, I didn't know that she did that. And a lot of people in the church didn't know, apparently. But from what the movie put, portrays, the church was kind of, they had mixed feelings about it because it's like, mm -hmm. you know, this is taken from the world. Oh, it was a, wait, when that movie came out? I want to say it was last year or maybe two years ago. Oh, wait, that's Lifetime. the movie with Latifah? I don't think Queen Latifah's in it. No. Oh, she produced it or something. I, she right? may have produced it. Okay. But Yeah, I haven't um, seen it. Yeah, it goes, it, it was a series oh, okay. situation. It was like four episodes, but it was good. And they kind of talked about how the Kojic Church basically was just like. You just said Kojic I Church. I know, that's the way to say it. Kojic Church. Okay. okay. Church. Okay. Church of God and Christ Church. Right. Okay. <laughs> yes. Wait, co co uh, wait. Church of God in Christ Church, New Zealand. Church, <laughs> New Zealand? Yeah, it's Christ Church, New Zealand. All right, great. Oh. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Ch <laughs> wait. Church of God in Christ Church, New Zealand, New Zealand. Australia. Yeah. Go. Uh, Christ Church? Church of God in Church Christ Church, New Zealand, Australia. What do I say? I don't know. You're at the head. Uh, I don't know. Oh man, you're not getting <laughs> hey, it. <laughs> I didn't get it. I got the Christchurch, New Zealand, because I know that that's the capital, I believe, on the North Island. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, the Kojic Church really deals with secular music, at least when I grew up. Sort of as like you don't listen to that. There's mm -hmm. listen to gospel music. So I was really just listening to that. Michael Jackson was the artist that broke that. Actually, mm -hmm. Michael Jackson, the Ink Spots. And uh, I know, random. I was at the thrift store and I saw the cassette. I still have that cassette. I think I played it in the... Uh... Ink Spots and Ella Fitzgerald. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. I love that. I was like, yeah, I could... Why is this bad? Like, that was just my main moral question. Like, why shouldn't I listen to this? This feels good. Like, I really appreciated it. So Michael Jackson broke that. Like, he was the first to start me. Like, oh, I did do the thing. So let me ask you, what do you feel like... Because when I study... Michael Jackson, like I, I got his fashion. Of course, I'm looking at all of his pictures. So I downloaded all of these pictures from like all of the different eras. I downloaded. Yeah, I downloaded the pictures. I listened to all of the music. Obviously, I bought the music later, but I pretty much downloaded it all at one time. And I was just listening to it. Watched the interviews. Why, you know, went on YouTube just to see anything he was saying. I mean, when I think about it, I was like, this is kind of obsessive, right? Because I'm taking the time, but I'm inspired. But I'm noticing things. I'm seeing things that I don't. So I'm trying to like, I'm fascinated. 
by all of the moving pieces to who he is. And then of course, going into his personal life and just really feeling like, okay, Michael, such a interesting person, but he has all these different contradictions that, um, he's trying to correct. Some are just like naturally by his position being so famous. And then his childhood, like it was just so many pieces that made me obsessed with his life as a human, just as a child, up until he, he passed away. And then there was that particular time I started to explore. I never believed Michael faked his death. <laughs> but I never believed that. I would What I would do is I made videos speaking about the Conrad Murray trial and the, you know, the contract with Sony. There were a lot of other moving pieces that were factually interesting to look at that was not talked about of course so i wanted to explore that i don't know why that particular and it's still going around you know people still leave michael but stop that you what know? look he if he was here he's like just take me away because <laughs> what's wrong with y'all over here for real mm-hmm. like yeah people but, still the, my response to that has been for many years if he faked his death and put his kids in that, I have no respect for him at all. Right. And there are two instances I would smash all of my records at anything I have of Michael Jackson on camera. If I found any sufficient evidence that he touched a kid and that if he disrespected his kids by by faking his death and involving his kids in that. Two instances. Right. The idea of Michael doing that currently now with his kids... It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It didn't make sense even then. Like, <laughs> you can't go that far. But they obviously so many folks did, and um, and I think it's just because like when he passed away it was like when Elvis died or when Tupac died or mm-hmm. any of these huge figures that we don't see passing away for whatever reason. Even though the trend is very interesting, like <laughs> especially when you look at what they are involved in in their lives. So Michael had a lot of i mean i would say his so his fan base or his stand base even i mean obviously he has both but in particular his stand base are likened to see i'm not on social media as much but i know like when folks think of someone like Nicki minaj and beyonce those two artists in particular and rihanna too like they have these names like the beehive the the rihanna navy the barbs which are um Nicki minaj stands these folks go to such incredible length to justify mostly anything that the artist does even if it's problematic even if if it's needed to be questioned it's always like well y'all just hating you know y'all not considering the fact that this person been through this and they're trying to be set up or just whatever excuse they donated this to charity like whatever it is that the artist does Mm -hmm. is seen as okay because Mm -hmm. They have the foresight and it's the media that's the problem. Like that's what often is mentioned with Michael with, which we know about obviously with the trial and stuff, but it's like when people just go to the media, like, Oh, the media just trying to frame him. It just becomes like, at what level can you analyze any artist and say, okay, this could be criticized because this was not the best decision for others and for even themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not nothing. Like I said, every artist could get the smoke. Like, why am I going out of my way to protect an artist that I don't have? They don't know me. They're not. Yeah. So here's, I have a a couple of responses and I have a question for you. 
So this is another reason I love Metallica. <laughs> because I thought of the whole thing with Beyonce. When the Beehive, anybody has a, whether it's solid or not, I don't know, That that's up for you to decide. But somebody critiques whatever. Then people have a whole bunch of bee emojis and then they start doxing people and doing death threats or whatever. I think Beyonce on one occasion was like, hey, you know, no, don't do that or whatever. What happened with the Metallica situation is that there have been a number of impersonators, impersonating members of Metallica and scamming people. Then there was a whole scam that happened uh, where they had hundreds of YouTube channels or whatever. They had an official response. There were actually a couple of official responses. One was about the scammers where they were telling people to do NFTs or something like that. So they said, look, there are some channels <laughs> that you know are not our channels. Please look at, these are our official channels. Please only look at those. Another thing in terms of the impersonators, they said, James wants you to know he does not have social media. Right. Do not think that he is personally talking to you and asking you for money. Right. That is not the case. Any way that James is communicating on social media, it is through the official Metallica channel. Take care. So they had official responses to that. Beyonce, I don't know. I don't Beyonce follow Beyonce, but I have yet to see an official response. I think it would be wise of her to say, I know you all love me, but please do not threaten people. Please do not dox people. That's no way of showing your love for me if you do that. She need, it doesn't mean that people are going to listen to her. But at least but at least that send a message that this crazy. is not tolerated. <laughs> right. Right. You have to acknowledge it. Beyonce doesn't do that. Her website. Maybe she does. I just don't know. I, I could tell you if she would. And I'm telling you, mostly there are pictures. You go to her website, she posts pictures. If she does say anything, it's like a text type of thing. But she's never addressed in a way that I can recall, you know, telling her fans to chill out on stuff. Hmm. So that's fascinating. So my question to you is what's the difference between a fan and a stand? Because you said there are Michael fans and Michael stands. So I feel like a fan casual listener someone probably just acknowledging the the hits the top maybe they don't know every single album but they that's not a fan though right well you just said it was but that's not a fan a fan is short for fanatic so if you're a casual right. listener you're not a fan oh well well you see yeah a difference between a fan and a stand that's what you're asking right mm -hmm. so a stand takes it another level where it's like but wait wait, wait, wait. what's a fan though listens it, to all of the albums knows the artist, mm -hmm. but isn't, maybe there's not an album that particularly stands out to them mm -hmm. out of the rest of them. It's just like, I like them. I like the, the albums. There are certain songs or whatever, but there's not something, I feel like a fan doesn't go the extra mile as a stand would. Mm -hmm. The stand is saying there's either all of the albums that are just as good, or maybe there's one particular album out of the rest that stands out the most. That yeah, that would be you, Saint Anger. I, okay. <laughs> I am the only thing I stand for is Saint Anger. Saint Anger. 
I am an appreciator of Metallica. I'm not a fan of any band. I am an appreciator of Metallica. I'm appreciator of Michael Jackson. Appreciator of Prince. Appreciator of everybody I like. But St. Anger, to me, being a stan is an irrational obsession with something or someone. I don't have an irrational obsession for anything but St. Anger. That is what a stan is to me, an right. irrational obsession that doesn't make any, any sense, sense whatsoever. Right. It makes that- no <laughs> sense how much I love St. Anger. I understand this. Right. But I'm obsessed with this album to the point of I don't even know what point. Is there a point? I don't know. But I have an irrational <laughs> obsession. I have a whole music room yeah. named after this album. <laughs> so yes. I will. I made a six hour movie. You made a six hour so movie. That is exactly. what you call so a that, rational obsession. That is a six hour right. movie on an album. An album. Yeah, I know. That is a stand to me. A fan is somebody as you were saying, who's just, yeah, it's an obsession, but it's not irrational. It's right. it, a fanatic that, yeah, you, you're obsessed. And you're like, I love them and I go to all their concerts. So there are people who love the Grateful Dead and follow them and go to, those are fans. <laughs> right. But that doesn't mean they have an irrational obsession. Like, sure. it's their life or something. Right, that's what I'm saying. A stand would go the extra mile into yeah. like, okay, I'm going to conceptualize. This is my life. This is my life. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to get every shirt that I can find. I'm a, you know, I'm a just, and you know, yeah, <laughs> that happens for certain artists due to, but I feel like it's similar because with, this is how I was with Michael Jackson, Prince. Mm-hmm. I did the thing where I would just like download all of these pictures and, like I think that's different for you though because you literally just got into secular music, so you're just yeah. taking it all in. I right. don't think that's a stand. I think that's just really yeah. And the more being we talk about and taking it all in, yeah, sure, because it's new for you. That's like anything else. Like you learn to ride a bike, it's just like mm-hmm. you're just all about the bike, right? Because you're taking it all in, and then once you know how to ride a bike, you're like, oh, I'm gonna, you know. I love riding a bike, but, you know, yeah. I want to learn how to play baseball or something. Yeah. So I, I think your situation is a little bit different because it was so new for you. But I think what's interesting is that even when we talk about stands, a lot of them, because I'm not going to act as if, because I'm kind of even criticizing my own point, because I don't think all stands even listen to all of the music. True. You know? Very true. Like, they just listen to what they like. <laughs> And they, they, they magnify that and then they go off of that and that just becomes, it's like, so certain stands now when they're talking about these artists, it's not even about the music. It's about the image. It's about mm-hmm. what they represent. So folks really go out of their way to elevate these artists on what their interest is, you know, what they see is being reflected in their interest. But mm-hmm. it's like, yo, how far are you going to go for someone who is, and I do think the artists, if they're aware they have that type of community, you got to call it out or say something. I don't think it. you necessarily need to call out stand culture. I think it needs to be called out when it turns dangerous. Yeah. So here is when we're going to talk about the etymology of stan. Yeah. Because that's the dangerous part when it becomes parasocial, mm-hmm. becomes a parasocial relationship. So I think a lot of people who have an irrational obsession with, say, Beyonce, have a parasocial relationship with her. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of people 
who had a parasocial relationship with Michael Jackson, where they somehow think they know him based on how he publicly represents himself. Right. You know nothing about this guy. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but yet you're like, I know him because he said it was funny because <laughs> I uh, noticed a bunch of lies he told in the Martin Bashir, Bashir mm. interview. And I caught that and I had this person say, well, I, I watched it 10,000 times and he didn't say that. And I literally took a script from it and sent it to them. They said nothing. I was like, here's the direct script from this Martin Bashir program. And you tell me you didn't say that? And they didn't say anything. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you watched it? So that's the par parasocial relationship. It's like, I know this person. I know they wouldn't right. lie. Right. It's like, I how do you know that? You don't know these artists? You don't know these? Because in the Bashir <laughs> thing, he talked about how he didn't know Blanket. What, what's his name now? The mother. B B right. Blanket. What, what's in, um, but he's, he's, like, he's not called Blanket anymore. I'm, so, I'm sorry. But, I'm uh, sorry. Binny? No, not no. Binny. <laughs> you said Michael Jackson? His name is not. Um... Yeah, like like Prince's name is like Prince Michael Jackson the third. I don't know. I'm telling you, I don't think he, I think his name is Michael Jackson. No, but he's called Biggie. That's his, B like oh, yeah, Biggie or BG. BG. Right. That's it. So I don't, I, out of respect, right. I didn't want to call him Blanket. Right. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. No, so yeah. BG. Mm-hmm. So he said, well, at the time he called him Blank. He's like, I don't know Blanket's mother. Right. And then like 15 minutes later, he yeah, said he that. Said, yeah, I was just like. She's like a Mexican, some woman from how South America. That she's a right. black woman. Or right. I'm like, okay, 15 <laughs> minutes ago, you said you didn't know her. And then you said you did. Yeah. And then this person, I saw, I watched it 10,000 times. I'm like, okay, but he said this. Wouldn't one of those be a lie? Word. <laughs> you know so, like there's several lies he told in that program. So don't give me that. I, I studied this dude, man. How are you going to say one thing and then 15 minutes later? Just even if I didn't study, like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, connect the dots. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, he didn't mean it. He didn't mean it. <laughs> Why would he say How it? How do you know he didn't mean right. it or not? One of them is a lie. Like, just, just keep it real. So yeah. the parasocial relationship people have. The definition they use of Stan is uh, this from Merriam-Webster. I didn't know mm, right. that they're, Stan... They're adding a lot of new words in the Merriam. I had no like idea. Like adulting. It's a new word now. That's a new word? Yeah, I just... Really? That was a fact That's I a new it. word? Yeah. Oh. I don't like I don't like that. Yeah, I, don't I don't like, like adulting. Either. I know. Boot to right. adulting. <laughs> I don't mind being an adult, but adulting? Yeah. <laughs> this is... Uh, it's often disparaging. I don't know. Uh, a lot of people stan? don't use it disparagingly. Yeah, they proudly say, oh, I am a stan. I am a stan of St. Anger, and I do not use that disparagingly. So <laughs> Miriam Webster is incorrect. Often it's not disparaging. often disparaging at all for people. For some, sure. Anyway, definition, an extremely or excessively enthusiastic and devoted fan. So that's the spectrum of fandom. Right. Okay. So... The, I wouldn't say to what you said before that being a fan was casual, but if that's the case, that's the lowest end yeah, of fandom. Right. Where I think, I guess the lowest end of fandom is an appreciator. Mm -hmm. So I'm a person who, again, appreciates Prince. You keep telling me you're a fan, you're a fan. I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm an appreciator. Right. Like I know a bunch of this stuff, but not enough 
to go to a prince party, I'm going to get caught out there. They're gonna, I'm going to be asked questions at this right. prince party and I'm not going to know anything. Yeah. And you're, you're a poser. Then you're going to be there. No, <laughs> no, no, poser. no. Just, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to be called a poser if I went to a prince party. Cause I don't know as much as y'all. Well, what I would say Jamila is you're right in the way, but then when we, cause we've done the test, we've went to like all of the Prince albums and you picked, you knew at least eight of the ones that are not the most common. Cause Prince has a lot of albums. He's yeah, like, it's like at least 35 official ones. Yeah. So most people don't know that. Most people are literally purple rain, diamonds and pearls. Yeah. But those are casuals. If you don't, if you only know the hits, that's casual. What I'm saying is the Prince spectrum is kind of interesting because there are certain folks that don't listen to his whole, and I'm not talking about like the unreleased stuff, like his whole catalog. They don't listen to it. And I would say for the most part, you've heard, cause we've went through the list. You've heard those albums. Even if it was enough to say, I don't like them. Mm-hmm. You've heard them. Yeah. <laughs> You're not like, Oh, I never heard that. Right. Right. So that is the side of like, how are you calling yourself? The barometer now again when it comes to stand though, like I think in the particular in the Prince community for sure, there's a lot of flaunting knowledge. Like if you don't know something, you and I don't like that because it's silly. It's like I mean people are not not everyone is interested for one, but folks like to say, oh, if you haven't heard this certain bootleg or if you don't know this certain show, you know, right? Then you're not you don't you can't say you. You know, like if someone talks about, for instance, the um, the name just escaped me, but it was around the parade, the flesh sessions. That Which he I have did. heard. You've you've heard them? I don't think so. Okay, that was around the same time he did parade. Um, mm-hmm. It's just instrumentals. So it was basically like a precursor. Oh, maybe to I have heard them. Then, if it's just instrumentals, I don't know. You would have to play it for me. Yeah, for me to say I've heard it or not, but that doesn't sound familiar. But to your point, I think knowing a lot of those details to me that's just the higher end of the fan scale but that doesn't necessarily mean you have an irrational obsession Mm -hmm. or a parasocial relationship that just means you know a lot more of the details than most people who listen to prince so if you have an obsession to the point where you hoard all of this information and you use it against people or you are so obsessed that it takes up your life. It's like those people who love Kiss so much their whole house is Kiss. I was just about to get to that. So like with Prince, what happened? That's a stand. That's a stand. So what do you feel about? Because I don't know if you knew or if you know folks like this, but for some reason, I mean, we get it, Purple Rain, but people have associated Prince to the color purple. So a lot lot of people in Minnesota. Isn't his favorite color like orange or red or something? Yeah, he wore all the colors. I don't think he had any particular favorites, but I think purple obviously is what's always a... So a lot of folks in Minnesota, their whole house is purple. Their whole... Man, Alice Walker's pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The color, purple. (laughs) So, yeah, purple rain, okay. And then, you know, because he's called the... Oh, I was going to say purple goblet. What is it? Purple. The purple Yoda? Yeah, purple Yoda. I said goblet. I'm sorry. Purple Yoda. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Fritz. Yo. Sorry, Mr. Nelson. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, purple Yoda. So, right. yeah, that would make sense that people associate him with purple because he's made references to it. Yeah, he's, so that, there, that would make there are sense. plenty of references there. So, But I always thought that was like, wow. I mean, mm-hmm. your kitchen, 
your bathroom, <laughs> your living space, all of that is purple light. That's a stand. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's but an irrational obsession. Th- I agree. Yeah. See, I, I've never, even like with Prince, I never like wore the symbol. Like I'm not wearing them. And I like, and purple don't remind me of Prince, you know, it's like, right. I, I have many other references to purple that I enjoy. Yeah, so. but you also worked with them. So you have other right. references. Yeah. So I guess when folks don't have that, they build or even attach to what's available. There you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so you just answered your own question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I literally, again, I have a whole room dedicated to singing. Right. So it, it's like. But it's the, good that singing is an album. It's not a. Okay. You know, it's an album. Do you feel like this? Do you feel the same way about some kind of monster? Is that just included? Is that as well? You mean the film? The film, yeah. Yeah, that's tied up in the whole thing. Yeah, that's right. part of that old St. Anger package to me. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, anything having to do with that era, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm a stan. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing, when I first saw it, I didn't like it because it's like, this is Metallica. It was just weird to me. Right. But everything changed. I'm telling you, like, being an amputee, changed <laughs> all of that movie yeah. Just the significance of all that music changed for me. Right. So I I became a stand after I became a PT. So it's uh yeah. So I became a stand in a short amount of time, very short amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Even though I I guess um when I was younger, I was a Metallica fan. They were mm-hmm. one of my top five favorite bands. And now, even though they're my favorite metal band, I'm I would consider myself to be more of an appreciator because I look at all of the other elements. So mm-hmm. what creates the environment is people and you know, I, I look at beyond all these other things and I look at Metallica in more of a spiritual and philosophical way. All right. So it, it's very different for me than I think a lot of people. And I'd like to meet more people who Look at them in that way. That'd be mm-hmm. great. Yeah. But but St. Anger is beyond that. It's, yeah, as you said, going the extra mile. <laughs> but I want to talk about the etymology. You know, that there was a definition. And then it also says, this Cambridge Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who greatly admires a singer or other famous person to an extent that is unusual. <laughs> there is a difference between being a stan and being a fan. See? Yeah. Because it's just, it's an irrational obsession. Well, I think, and then even it, it further says uh, Beyonce has a powerful stand following. And it's like, when you think of certain artists are more culpable of having stand called, like a stand following, mm-hmm. like Rihanna. But I would say that that was, it's not just like with the internet. Like, I mean, they called the Beatles, what? That was, the, Beatles was one of the first major stand cultures. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean. It goes back, and I wonder uh-huh. if it's just like um, the iconography, and to what extent does it become like, oh, they're so sensational to the point to where my whole house or my whole whatever becomes just like. It's it's part of it is you. I mean, I, I can't speak for everybody, but part of it is you do. A uh, part of you does identify with either the artist or, for me, the album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, part of you takes a lot of that on. And again, it's irrational. 
I did mm-hmm. not say it was right. healthy. <laughs> My obsession with St. Anger, I'm not saying it's healthy. So I don't... <laughs> but it's, uh, it's not... It's not necessarily... But I don't have a parasocial yeah, relationship. Not, right. I don't expect that... As I said in my movie, like I had the sign, St. Anger, but I don't even think that anybody in the band saw that. So yeah. I'm not losing sleep over the fact that nobody in the band saw my sign. Right. right. Before I even showed the sign, I came in with the reality that they weren't going to see it. Yeah. So I think that there's a particular expectation that when you have this parasocial relationship that somehow you are connected to this person i have no connection to the people who created saint anger so (laughs) you know it's a little bit different for me because i'm sure some people stand that album just like i do but i don't have a parasocial relationship with anyone in that band i have no idea if i will ever meet them i don't have the expectation that i will and i'm okay with that they have contributed positively in my life through their music. I, do I need to beat them? That would be great if I met Lars Ulrich. Are you yeah, kidding me? Of course. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but again, I don't have the expectation or anything beyond that, that that would happen. That would be great. But so, yeah, this is very different than having all these scenarios in my head of that day I'm going to meet <laughs> Beyonce. Or, yeah. And a lot of people do that. And so therein lies the whole stand, the song by Eminem, which literally describes a parasocial relationship. (laughs) So it talks from the perspective of this guy. So Eminem is speaking for the voice of this dude named Stan. And he writes a letter to Eminem, which you know how many times I wrote a letter to Diana Ross once. Did I tell you that? Did you? When I was a kid, me and my sister wrote a letter to Diana Ross and she never wrote us back. Uh-huh. And I wrote in the letter. I was like, she didn't write me back because I told her I didn't like a song. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a swept away album. And I was like, I don't like that song. I think that was uh, Daryl Hall that co-wrote that song, actually. Oh, wow. I was like, I, 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 I love you, Diane Ross, but I don't like that song. And I never Dang. heard anything back. That's probably why she's like, I, I ain't replying. Yeah, it's like, who is this? I yeah, I forgot. I forgot. About, I think about that once in a while, but I forgot. <laughs> get most of the time but yeah i have written people haven't received the response i've also met a lot of people who are famous semi you know it, it is yeah, what it is I, mean, I feel like they're people they're people and you shouldn't expect i don't know it's best not to have any expectations you know how many people have written diana ross exactly like millions of people yeah diana ross is not mr fred rogers right who literally <laughs> responds to every single person and then at the point where he couldn't he had people do that but every single person who wrote mr rogers got a response back that was not diana yeah, ross no. let's keep it real no, let's, let's keep it real <laughs> so if you're gonna stand somebody stand mr rogers. right <laughs> word to mr rogers <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, dear slim i wrote you but you still ain't calling it's like right it's Eminem. Don't yeah. expect don't expect a phone call or a letter back. Sorry, Stan. See, this is why. So, see, I was immersed in Stan culture, especially when I lived in Minnesota and I was working with Prince because that meant people would use my company as leverage at times because they thought. I mean, this was so shocking because I was so like not expecting folks to switch up on me 
But basically, if they felt they could get a word with Prince, or maybe if you mentioned this to to Prince or whatever, and I'm like, so it was really a lot of like, yeah, yeah, I'm they just, were using they were using me to get to Prince. So I have a question for you, and I'm not saying this to be mean, but what is so compelling about Prince that would make people want to meet him? And I'm asking this about anybody, right. but since we're talking about <laughs> Prince, I don't feel compelled to really have wanted to met Michael Jackson. But like, what's compelling about these people that you're so obsessed that right. you have to feel that you need to go through somebody to get to them? So what do you think, either through people's minds or what have people told you that is so fascinating about this person that they want to meet him? The word that comes to mind is aura. And it's... And okay, it's, listen to yeah. his music. Right. You don't need his physical presence for that because Prince was very sensitive to that. And he went out of his way to be like, nah to most folks like he wasn't necessarily trying to because a lot of folks have t- took the extra mile and have made you know camping outside of Paisley Park moving out no. to Minnesota with no. the, you know for the chance it's like doing all of that is you're not going to gain any points and he pretty much didn't like he ran from that like <laughs> if he saw you on that tip he made sure the security was like well aware where you were so that you stayed at a safe distance because he was not trying to be that was one of the lessons I learned fairly early. It's like, okay, you know, you're working with me now. Right. I'm a, you don't have to be right. shocked that I'm here. You know? Right. I feel like Prince is an example of never meet your heroes. <laughs> Cause I feel like he would be really disappointing. Like I, I never had a desire to meet Prince. I just right. feel like he would be boring. You knew him, <laughs> but I feel like I would have nothing to say. Like what would, but a lot I, to play. Exactly. <laughs> so I'd be like, get on some drums. Right, okay, I'll right, do that. Exactly. But I yeah. just, again, I did not know him and I didn't know a lot about him like that. But I, I just, a lot of these people, I feel like they would be boring. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, again, you work with him, you knew him. So because I don't even think it's how he actually is. It's what they, pre- like they're creating. How they this, perceive him. Yeah, this yeah. perception that he's going to be that or this. And it's like, no. Yeah, it's probably boring. Yeah. Like, in comparison to how you envision him. Right. It's like, ugh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, sent two letters back in autumn. You must have got him. It probably did. But again, he's on tour. Right. His management probably got it. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, you got like 300,000 right. more letters. You know, whatever. Sometimes I scribble addresses too sloppy and when I jot them. Anyways, fucking what's been up? I'll just, uh, 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 Ask him Come per- on, right. man. I feel like you're just, a, you're, you need a- so you're, you're having this conversation in your head. It's a parasocial relationship. Mm-hmm. Like when I first heard this song, I am not into Eminem at all, but I felt pretty sad for him right. that he's replaying this relationship, this parasocial relationship. He's replaying it back on record. Mm-hmm. And then there's the story. I don't know how much of it's made up because Eminem has some pretty sick stuff in his music. But this sounds like somebody's mm-hmm. really replaying that. Right. And I just felt really sad for him that somebody did this and said, hey, you know, I'm about to do this thing. It's just, it's the one time I felt sad for Eminem, if this <sighs> is true. Right. That my girlfriend's pregnant too. I'm about to be a father. If, if I have a daughter, guess what I'm going to call her? I'm going to name her Bonnie. I read about your uncle Ronnie too. See, this is somebody... This is beyond Stan. I know this is the etymology, of, but right. this is beyond 
It's like, I'm going to name my daughter after somebody you know. Yeah. I'm gonna, I stu- I studied you intensely. Right. It's, it's just too much. <laughs> it's too much going on. Yeah. It, uh, so then it says, yeah, you still haven't written. You didn't have to, but you could have signed an autograph. So, yeah, I'm your biggest fan, and uh, you're just so selfish. You haven't written back. And this is somebody clearly who's struggling with mental health. Right. This is a story of somebody clearly Mm -hmm. struggling with mental health who... uh, This is just really sad. Like, the least you could have did was sign an autograph. It's like... Maybe Eminem was on tour and didn't even see the letter or the management or whoever never gave it. Don't know. But from the perspective of the stand person, it's just like, I'm your biggest fan and you're so unappreciative. And it's really sad. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of stories like this. Really. Yeah. It's. <sighs> then it gets deeper. The last one. Yeah. Dear Mr. I'm too good to call or write my fans. This will be the last package I ever send your ass. It's been six months and still no word. I don't deserve it. I know you got my last two letters. I wrote the address them. Perfect. Wow. Yeah. See. Yeah. And then just even like my girlfriend's jealous because I talk about you. T- well, <laughs> you have a girlfriend. Right. Why is Eminem's name in your mouth 24 7? You have a life beyond this person. Stop the right. pair. Like. You're in a love triangle that Eminem doesn't know about. Right. <laughs> Why are you doing this? We it should be help. together too. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, Slim, I drink a fifth of vodka. You dare me to drive. You know the song by Phil Collins in the air tonight about that guy who could have saved the other guy from drowning, but didn't, didn't feel saw at all. Then at the show, we found him. That's kind of how this is. You could have rescued me from drowning. Yeah. And so the connection people have with music, and this is where it potentially can turn dangerous, where people connect with that. It's like, I was going through this thing. I heard your song and it saved my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's most people who appreciate music. Right. But then it becomes like this, where the parasocial relationship, you say my life and I have to mean you and you owe me. I bought your record. Right, right. <laughs> I, I wrote you, you know, 20 wait. letters. <laughs> you know, this, <laughs> this reminds me of something, and I'm not sure why I didn't send you this video. I actually interviewed this guy, okay? This is one of the funniest videos I've seen in my life, and it's it's a lot of things involved in it, but it's basically this man named Doug Levison. The video is called Trumpet Fight, and there's a street musician playing. He's not playing well enough to this guy Doug's standards so he literally stops him and just like he's just cursing him out like it seems like it's a it's a big thing when you watch it but it's hilarious because the way he's going about it like he says a thing <laughs> he says I walked Bob Dylan up on stage who the fuck are you <laughs> 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 I'll just show you the video it's insane but he goes through this whole thing of what he's done in his career and because apparently he's this musician and he's trying to get this street musician to be quiet. And he's like mentioning all the things he's done. Like I walk, I walk Bob Dylan up on stage. I've been knowing the Grateful Dead since 1966. 
it's like what okay like okay sir <laughs> right. can i play my music <laughs> he, he he literally loses it wow. um, but it just reminds me of what folks say like the things they've done like i bought this album i did like i went to all of your shows i spent my last dime they're doing this on purpose. They ignore me. That's what a lot. Of, I remember being in the Prince community when Prince was around and he, when he was on Twitter, people went through everything in their life to get him to respond to them. <laughs> so like palm pit selfies, you, anytime Prince tweeted, that's why he did the tweet and delete thing. Anytime he tweeted someone, some, you know, look at me, look, Prince, please talk to me, please. You know, what? Yeah. Like my like my tweet. I know you're seeing this. I know you're reading this. Please inbox you. Please go to your DM. Like what? Yes, absolutely. Y'all really Prince, the, 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 known as one of the most mysterious people ever. You think he's gonna <laughs> personally respond to you? Really? The dude was notorious for looking at scourging the internet for everything right. about him. <laughs> what? Oh my! Oh wow! Yeah. You said your girlfriend's pregnant now. How far along is she? Look, I'm really flattered. You would call your daughter that. Here's an autograph for your brother. So this is uh, Eminem finally responding to Stan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Probably too late now. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, I'm sorry I didn't see you at the show. I must have missed you. No, they had intentionally just to dish you. Ugh, they cut your wrist. Yeah, you're having mental health struggles. Please get some help. Yeah, you yeah. having a parasocial relationship, that's going to make me step away from you, man. Right. So, I'm not <laughs> trying. This is sad. It's so sad. Yeah, I really think you and your girlfriend need each other, or maybe you just need to treat her better. I hope you get to read this letter. I hope it reaches you at time before you hurt yourself. I think you'll be doing just fine. If you relax a little, I'm glad I inspire you. But Stan, why are you so mad? Try to understand that I do want you as a fan. So yeah, it's just it's it's sad that people have these parasocial relationships. It's, you do understand that there are thousands of other people that probably have this parasocial relationship right. with the right. same person. <laughs> You're not the only one. I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. So yeah, it's really disturbing that. Uh, I know I'm a Stan, Yen, uh, but I'm not. Saint, Lang Saint Anger is not my life to the point where I stop everything in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a difference between me and this character, Stan. Yeah. <laughs> and that needs to stop. So please, please, if you are a Stan <laughs> of anyone or anything, please make sure that it does not. Stop the majority of your life. Right. Enjoy going about doing what you're doing and loving this person, this artist, this music, whatever. But don't stop your life. Please, please don't stop your life. Please know that the person that you are having a parasocial relationship is a human with their own life. Yes. <laughs> you're not the only life. Not the you're you are not the only like they don't even know you most likely. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't know what they do outside of what you perceive and what they present. So they remember that these people are on the clock just like you are when you clock in and out of your job. Remember, 
that's a job. Yes, yeah. it is a job they like to do, but it's still a job. Mm-hmm. And they like to do things outside of that. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> just yeah, remember just that. <laughs> do you have any last words about you said that being a stand? I mean, I feel like it's nothing wrong to like that person, that artist, that whatever it is, but respect that they have their own, just like you have your own and engage without, you know, this whole perception of like, you gotta have the biggest, the person has to know everything about you. Like everyone hasn't, doesn't have to be a dictionary about like the details of whatever, enjoy it, share it and go with peace. (laughs) Go with peace. And I think the fact that people have these social media accounts to share their lives in some way with people, just respect that. Yeah, That's their way of sharing their lives with you. And then when they play concerts and then when they distribute their music, just respect that. And if they're out in the street or in the airport or whatever, be like, hey, I really appreciate your music, what you've done for me. Thank you so much. And then walk away. Walk away. Yeah. Don't be staring at them and <laughs> right. be trying to get all up on them. Because uh, come on now. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do respect that. people's humanity. Keep saying this every week. Respect people's space, man. Yeah. Respect people's space. <laughs> and thank you for listening <laughs> to another episode of Music. And we hope you enjoyed it. Blessings. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>